0: To the book of psalm chapter 91 psalm chapter 91 there's a term and that term is night terrors night terrors is actually a condition that normally is uh, children where they have uh, episodes of intense uh, screaming crying thrashing or fear during sleep that happens again and again but the scripture that we are going to read uses a phrase and it talks about terror that comes by night. And this text is written primarily not to children but to adults. So God's promise for us is protection even in the night. And I want to preach this. it would be very practically helpful to uh, some of you, and I want to preach about night terrors. Let's see what God has to say about sleep. Psalm 91, starting at verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the perilous pestilence, that sickness, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Night terrors. I want to begin, let's begin looking at this thought of night terror. This scripture uses an interesting phrase, terror, that comes by night. For some people, the night has terror because of their past history that they've had in the night. Terror by night. For some people that is literally growing up, darkness in in general. Maybe when they were young, there was uh, something terrifying that happened to them at night. Other people, they literally had a terrifying event that happened in the night. Bad news, a phone call, someone died, sickness, violence, whatever it might be that has left a mark on them. Years ago, it was in the middle of the night that my wife and I, we got a, a call and uh, got the news that our daughter had been in a very bad car accident had to be airlifted um, to a hospital in phoenix and so i confess i'm not terribly excited about late night calls i figure if people are calling me late at night it's not to share cookie recipes or to talk about the weather and uh, so maybe you can relate to that that So what happens to some people, they actually associate night with fear because something terrifying happened in the night. Then, of course, there are people that they have insomnia or they have some form of sleep trouble. It's a great struggle for them to uh, be able to get to sleep. And When I have uh, tried to help people that have insomnia or trouble sleeping, the, the problem is now... Going to sleep is filled with dread. There you go. I must sleep. I must sleep. And by the time they get to bed, they are so tense. And so now, just going to bed at night is filled with fear. Now, I won't be able to get to sleep. For other people, there is the stillness of the night. This is what causes them problem During the day we can be distracted from frightening thoughts from things that might scare us you can work there are some people that they work themselves to uh, exhaustion or they have hobbies or they're able to have conversations or or text and the result of that is they don't have to think there may be issues in life that really are causing fear in their life but as long as they're busy they don't have to think about that but it is at night there are no distractions there are no other people around perhaps there's no conversations they're no longer doing work they're no longer uh, uh, working on their hobbies and so in the stillness of the night now they begin to contemplate all of the problems that they have currently, whether that's their family, their health, their marriage, their finances. Now in the stillness, the thoughts of fear begin to intrude in the night. And Then, of course, then you add to that all of the possible problems that come in the future. What a classic picture here. Verse six talks about pestilence in the king james it says that stalks in the dark or literally diseases that come after you in the dark what a, what a great picture in the world in which we live uh, in the coronavirus coronavirus is uh, real but i have never in my lifetime seen such a level of fear that has gripped people at a man in my church he came up to me after uh, after prayer one morning and, and uh, he asked for some prayer. He said, I've had pain that's come in my, uh, uh, I think it was in his hip or his leg. He was asking for prayer and he said, this morning in prayer, it kind of I didn't injure myself, it just kind of appeared. And I said, God, show me why am I having this pain? And he said, I really felt God speak to me. You need to stop reading the news so much. disease that stalks in the dark. So here for some it's the fear of the past, it's the stillness of the night that it affects them. But beyond that there is a strategy of hell, of demonic assault to In the night. We see this in the Bible history. We read of angels that came and visited Lot in order to rescue him. And the Bible says the men of Sodom, they came to attack them by night. It was the Levites stopping in Gibeah. And the Bible says that men came to attack uh, evilly by night. It was the Syrian army, as they were after Elisha, trying to destroy him. The Bible says, during the night, they surrounded the city where he was staying. And then, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, the temple guards came to arrest Jesus by night. All of those are not an accident. That is telling us something, that part of the strategy of hell comes in the night, the devil's strategy, he wants to affect your sleep. Because sleep is so crucial to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. I don't know if you've thought of this. The purpose of sleep, of course, rest brings a physical recharging. You know, one of the major reasons why God has a sleep, a, a sleep therapist, he said, one of the major purposes of sleep is shrinking the brain's neurons by as much as 20%. So what happens, he says, all day long, your brain is taking in inconsequential information. Stuff you don't need. And so at night, one of the things that happens while you sleep, your brain is getting rid of things you don't need to keep in there. And he says, if you don't have that, your brain gets overwhelmed. I've dealt with people, they are struggling with the issue of sleep. And and one of the things that they have said to me is, I feel overwhelmed like I can't cope. And that is literally true because that's one of the purposes of sleep is so that you don't get overwhelmed. There are emotional benefits. You know what? You feel better. You are a happier person. Everyone else is happier with you when you sleep. How many know this? At church, as I uh, stand at the door and greet people, you know, people with young children, uh, I try to make a connection with children when they're very young. And you know what happens with little kids? They'll come in, they're on mom or dad's shoulder, and I'll try to say hi, and they're they're like grumpy. And often, you know what the parents say is that, he's tired. I say to my wife, that is excellent. I want you to do that. If ever I'm grumpy with people, I want you to say, he's tired. He didn't sleep very well. But that is true. Lack of sleep, of course, has detrimental effects. The United States is among the most, uh, uh, the top three most sleep deprived nations in the world. Sleep deprived Americans, they report that a lack of sleep negatively impacts their physical health. 57% say that. Mental health, and their home life uh, with their their marriage or uh, relationship with their children, 46%. Did you know that people who don't sleep well, their brains are exactly like a drunk person. This is why truck drivers, by law, they require them to keep logs and not drive after a certain point Because it is exactly the same. Their thinking processes are affected negatively exactly as if they were drunk. It's not good for you. Then, of course, researchers say that for each hour of lost sleep, levels of psychological distress rose by 5%. So, if that's true, if you need sleep very much and it's good for you, if not getting sleep is very detrimental you better believe that the devil is going to demonically assault your ability to sleep it is a strategy from hell the old testament We read of various kings and enemies, and we read of uh, uh, some enemies that are so significant that they are mentioned in numbers of places, even as they're recounting history. One of those is Og, king of Bashan. We don't know a single thing about him except for that the Bible mentions how big his bed was. Og and his bed. Here is an enemy of uh, God's people and it talks of the only thing we know about him. He is the king of the bed. I think that God is telling us something. This is a picture of a demonic strategy of trying to to assault people's ability to sleep. Some people have, as I said, an inability they struggle to get to sleep, or struggle to stay asleep. Other people, it is nightmares that rob their rest. Physically, they are technically sleeping, but there are nightmares that torment them, so that when they wake up in the morning, they are not rested. Then, of course, there are demonic visitations at night. I've pastored in three nations of the world. And one, one thing that no matter which nation I have pastored, or only the Lord knows how many nations I have preached in, is I have had people come up to me and they tell me I see things moving at night. They tell me I can feel something in my room. I will wake up and it is as though someone is in my room, or some people even I wake up, I can feel something that is. On me, And I'm not talking about uh, uh, people that are, you know, uh, eating too much pizza or have an overactive imagination. Some of these people, they are embarrassed to admit this, you know, in, in Africa or some nations where they're in touch with the spiritual world, they have no problem. Westerners, you know, Westerners would rather admit they have hemorrhoids that admit that they have things visiting them at night. That's not something they they think everybody's going to look at them like, what is wrong with you? And yet, this is keeping them from sleeping. The result, our scripture says, is terror by night. Verse six the sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. In Italian, the moon is luna. We get our word lunacy from this. As you know, any of you that have ever worked in in, uh, any uh, mental health ward or uh, anything to do with mental health, you understand this. There's something about the moon that really does bring out the crazies. There is a reality to this. But I'm talking about something that is demonic, It is a strategy of hell against our sleep. Let's talk secondly about God, our refuge. The answer to our problems is not self-help. If you're struggling with sleep, if your mind is tormented at night, it's not going to help for me to tell you, just don't think about it. Must not think about it. Must not think about it. Must not think about it. That is not going to help you at all. Counting sheep has limited value in this. So in our scripture, after pointing out that there is terror by night, the Bible says the answer is the character of God. And overall, it gives us this understanding, our God is a protector protection comes naturally to him psalm 91 verse 4 he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge his truth shall be your shield and your buckler this is a a word picture this is of a mother hen or of a mother bird that to protect her young chicks that they literally will run Underneath her wings that she will cover them where they cannot be seen. And so here the Bible says God is a protector. God is not just an energy force. That he literally, like a mother hen, has relationship with her chicks. If you are a child of God, God has relationship with you. He has affection for you. He wants to protect you. And that is not only from physical dangers, but if it is true that you need sleep, your God wants to protect you in this area as well. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Those words, uh, refuge and fortress, it's shelter and tower. It is some, some place that you can go to be at rest or be at peace from assault. Goes on to say in verse 4, he is my shield and buckler. This is talking about the shield was a very big shield. This was for the purpose of protecting from long range weapons that would be fired at you. This would cover you from head to toe. A buckler, on the other hand, it's a little round shield that you would have on your arm. And this is something so that up close in fighting, you would be able to protect yourself and yet still make progress. So the promise of salvation is not just that we get to go to heaven. The promise of salvation is we have God's constant presence with us. As it says in the New Testament, for I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. God is a protector. Listen, sometimes God protects us from certain things. There are things that God will not allow to happen at all. I believe in heaven there will be things that God will reveal, things that never happened to you, simply because God stepped in. You know, we had missionaries one time, they had uh, gone to another nation to take over Immediately when they uh, took over the church, there was a man inspired from hell, came over to the house, began screaming and threatening violence against the pastor, against the family, saying that he was going to kill them. And they've just arrived. You can imagine how terrifying they're behind a, uh, a locked door hearing this man rant and rave and threaten their life. This man left the house, was driving down the road, and a car came across three lanes and smashed into him head on. He said later on, he was hanging upside down, and he said, I heard a voice, and the voice said, if you ever touch them, I will kill you. How many of you can say, come on? There are things that God protects us from, and sometimes God protects us in. One of the things about God is He doesn't keep us from every difficulty in life. He doesn't shield, making sure it only rains on everyone else's picnic but not yours. He doesn't shield us from every trauma of life, of sickness, and and the death of loved ones, and financial reversals. That is not what God does. Sometimes we go through things only to see that God intervenes in his protection. It's the three three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel that God allowed them. They went into the fire, but it is in the fire that they were protected. It was Daniel. He goes Into the lion's den. But in the lion's den, God helped him in there. So listen, whether God protects you from or protects you in, our scripture says God is a protector. Seventeen-year-old girl Paige Winter and her father, they were standing in waist-deep water in Atlantic Beach, New Jersey, when Paige suddenly got pulled under by a shark. Witnesses say that her father, Charlie Winter, punched the shark in the face five times before it finally released its grip on his daughter. Paige's grandmother said, thank God our son was with her. Listen, I can tell you something. Our God is a protector. There are things that I've gone through in life and I can say, thank God that God was with me. Because this is the protection. You know what? You can enter into a supernatural dimension of of confidence in God's protection. I am not simply saying this so that you will nod your head or say amen. This is practical. Verse one He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is describing that God's people in life, they can enter in to a dimension that literally gives them peace. In the middle of the crazy world in which we're living in, you can go to a place of peace. Corey she said, when I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. But when I look at Jesus, I am at rest. She's talking about a secret place. Understanding who God is. And His promise of protection. So our scripture says, God is able to bring a deliverance from fear that enables restful sleep. Listen, sleep is a promise of God. It is literally a gift from God. Psalm 127, 2, It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Sleep is a gift from God for those who are struggling to sleep or struggling with fear that torments them in the night. Listen, God is able to break the assault of hell against your mind. God is able to break the assault of hell against your sleep. And he is able to set us free. If it is the past event that has left a mark upon you in the night to where it makes it impossible to sleep or it's a struggle to sleep. Listen, God can set you free from fear. Psalm 4 verse 8 says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. You know, during World War II and the bombing of London, when the air raid sirens would go off and this would happen mostly at night, The citizens of London, they had air raid shelters and as soon as you heard that the bombers were coming, the sirens would warn you, you would race to get down into an air raid shelter. That is just what everybody did. Some people in the neighborhood, the air raid siren went off, they all went into the air raid shelter and they noticed a lady from the neighborhood, she did not come. They were concerned about this. After the bombing was over, they went and found her sound asleep. And they, they, they woke her up and they asked her, why didn't you come down into the shelter with us? And she said, well, the Bible says that God does not sleep and there seemed to be no reason why both of us should stay awake. You know what that woman is talking about? The secret place. That's supernatural. That's not just mind over matter. Must not think of bombs. No, she is saying, listen, our God is a protector. He has my future. He has my life. He has my family in his hands. So therefore, the promise of God is we will be able to sleep. Let's talk about one final thought, let's talk about the posture of rest. I don't know what kind of sleeper are you. I don't know if you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a tummy sleeper, I don't know about that. I don't know which one is best. But I do know that there is a spiritual posture that you need, I don't think God really cares what position you get into to sleep. But there is a spiritual posture. In other words, there is something that we do need to do to make this real and active in our lives. You know, you know. the first thing for some of you is you need to recognize what's going on in your life with your sleep is not normal. For some of you, you have had this sleeping pattern for a long time. It may be normal to you, but it's not meant to be normal. While I'm preaching, some of you are recognizing this is from hell. Because if you don't sleep, the devil is going to affect you in many ways. It is not God's will that you don't sleep. And so part of that is simply recognizing this strategy so that you can combat it. Our scripture says we have to develop a close relationship with God. Verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You know what? A, A relationship with God is not a Christian duty. It is not something we have to. We're Christians. I guess we should pray. I guess we should read our Bibles because that's what Christians have to do. No, no. It's an absolute necessity you know what people are doing when they open God's Word to read for themselves? When they pray, whether that is in the prayer room and in the morning or in their own home, whatever place you're choosing to pray, you are choosing to move into God's presence. People that come to church, they are choosing to move into God's presence. All of these, Psalms 91, 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those that love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. That scripture said, there's a profound statement there. He says, I rescue people that love me, people that want to be in my presence. There is something profound. When you are doing that, when you are choosing, I will move into God's presence, you are releasing something more powerful than you realize. Another thing that needs to happen is we have to make a decision to trust God. Verse 2, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. You know the word trust, it literally means to lean right now i am trusting that this pulpit is able to hold me i'm leaning that's what it means if you say i'm trusting god you are putting full weight on that is what trust is literally all about and that's a choice i don't care if you are a naturally optimistic person if you're naturally a faith-filled person That's immaterial. It is a choice to trust, to lean, to put the weight of our lives on him. You do that when you recognize God can be trusted. You know what God's word is? It's a track record. Any of you, if you were ever cursed with the gambling bug and the horses or dog, you know that there are various publications and ways that you can access track record. How did that horse run in the rain? How did that horse run in certain conditions? You know what the Bible is? It's a track record. You can read back from ancient times. Our God has an excellent track record. So therefore, you can look when you read God's word. That's not merely history. That's not merely, oh, wow, that's what he did for Elisha. That's what he did for Abraham. Listen, you can take that and personalize it. If he did it for them because they're a child of God. I am a child of God. Therefore, I can trust him. And trust is not only deciding that God can be trusted, it is deliberately pushing our fears and our concerns onto him. It is a crucial fact of life. Some of you, you think your job is worrying. You think you are helping in some way to worry about your children. I'll never forget, I had an evangelist come preach for me one time. He called a woman out. He was giving words, very accurate word of knowledge. He called a lady out, and he looked at her, and he said, if you don't stop worrying, you're going to die. And the whole church went, and he said, and if you stop worrying, you're going to die anyway. So why worry? (laughs) There's real truth in that. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care Upon him, for he cares for you. We had a president in the early 1900s, Calvin Coolidge. He was known for being cool under pressure. He was on a, a campaign tour in Los Angeles, and in Los Angeles they handed him a letter that warned him there was a plot that someone was going to try and assassinate him while he was in Los Angeles. Calvin Coolidge, he read the threat. He had bodyguards, a precursor to the Secret Service. After he read the threat against his life, he simply handed it to his guard and said, guess this belongs to you. And then he went on. You know, that's profound. In other words, it wasn't Calvin Coolidge's job to protect himself. That's not his job. His job was run the country. It's the guard's job to protect him. So in other words, why should he like, what am I going to do? What will I do? What shall I, that's not my job. This is the problem at night when you are taking on the fears of the world, you're actually taking God's job. So our scripture says, trust is I literally, God, I can't fix this. I can't change this. So I am choosing to give it to you because you're the only one that can deal with this. Final thought is we must declare the truth about God. Many people, it is natural to them. What comes out of their mouth is their fears, their worries, the worst possible outcome. You ever been with somebody that, I mean, you're feeling good about something. Wow, that's it. Yeah, but probably, and then they'll give you the scenario how it probably will turn into a bummer anyway. Somebody like that little cartoon, it'll never work. Naturally, that's what comes out of their mouth. Our scripture says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Listen, if you want to rest, you better learn to open your mouth. And part of this is saying out loud, if there's other people in bed with you, say it in your head, that will be okay. But there's something profound. The writer of this psalm he says, there are some things about God, and I'm gonna say it. These are things that we need to say to God to tell him, I am choosing to trust you. You need to say it to yourself. I love the Psalms, they're so they're so honest. And I challenge you to look how many times in the Bible that this phrase that I will say to my soul. I will say to my soul, this is not a man who's schizophrenic. He's not asking if the voices in his head are bothering you. He is ta- he's saying, I am going to tell myself some things. There are some truths about God. And instead of letting my mind infect my mouth and beginning to talk about all of the possible bad things, I am choosing to speak to God, to myself, to other people, and yes, to the devil. There are things that I will say about God. You know, Jesus Christ defeated the devil. Here is the devil. This is the word. He didn't send a minion demon, right? He didn't send a trainee to tempt Jesus Christ. Satan himself came to tempt Jesus Christ. Here are thousands of years of evil that he has worked on. And Jesus defeated the devil Simply by speaking the truth of God's Word. He said out loud what the Word of God said. You know, verse 13, if we had kept on reading, you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Those are not literal you do not need to jump into a pen in the zoo. You do not need to find a snake to, st- to stomp on. This is talking about demonic strategies. When God's people will choose, when they'll recognize what is from hell, when they choose to enter into God's presence in relationship, trust Him, declare the truth about God, You know what? Your mind and your body will line up with the truth of God's word. I close with this story. Pastor Lloyd John Ogilvie, he went to give a, a talk for a group of people. He said when he pulled up at the house where he was supposed to speak, they had a sign in front of a parking place that said, please reserve for Dr. Ogilvie. He gave his talk and as he left, the host who invited him, he said, would would you like to take this sign with you? He said, maybe you'll need it somewhere else. And so, the next morning when he left for work very early, as a joke, he taped that sign above his bed for his wife to see, please reserve for Dr. Ogilvie. But that night, after a very trying day, he found it difficult to sleep. He tossed and turned because of some worries. That night, he got up to go to the bathroom. His wife got a marker, and she wrote under, please reserve for Dr. Ogilvie. She said, reserve for Dr. Ogilvie to sleep, trusting the one who never sleeps. And he said, I got the point. I had taken over the Lord's job. I had begun trying to put all of the cares of the world on me when I was supposed to be sleeping. And instead, he said, something shifted in me. Instead, I started to begin to trust God. God... I am choosing to leave this in your hands. I need to rest. I can't fix it. I can't change it. There are things I can't stop. So God, I'm going to leave that in the hands of the one who our scripture says, our God is a protector. And one of the things he's able to protect us from is terror by night. I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes if you would, all across this place. Thank God. While our heads are bowed, I'm going to pray for some practical things, some sleep issues, some different things in a moment. But it would not be right for me to be praying for anything else without giving an opportunity, first and foremost. There may be people here, your greatest problem is not how much sleep you're getting. Your greatest problem is you have a sin problem. Sin ruins and destroys in this life. It ruins relationships. Some of you, the reason why you can't sleep, it's guilt that assaults you at night. Difficult to lay your head on the pillow knowing what you've done wrong. Others of you, you're tormented by fear, like I said. Fear because of what's happened to you, fear for the future, and you're on your own because your sin has cut you off from God who loves you. But listen, there is an answer. God loves you so much, He made a way. You can go free from your sin tonight, and the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He paid with his blood. He died in your place. Lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And then died the death that he did not deserve. We deserved it. But he died in your place. So that you can go free from your sin. You know what? You could leave here tonight right with God. You could leave here tonight clean on the inside. And right now, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never known what it's like to be forgiven of your sins. If you want to pray tonight with an honest heart, first of all, I want to begin by asking those who are here in the building with us. If you're not right with God and you want to be saved, you want to turn from your sin, I want you to do one thing. Lift up your hand. By lifting your hand, you're saying, Pastor Greg, I need Jesus. I know that. I want to turn from my sin. How many would there be? Lift up your hand. Hold it up so I can see it. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I want to pray. I want God to forgive me. Maybe there's backsliders here. Maybe you were saved. You turned your back on God and went back to sin. Backslider. You can get right with God tonight. Lift up your hand. How many would there be all across this place in this building? Thank God that I am challenging people online. If you're watching online, God can meet with you where you're at, at home. While I was preaching, while I was just pulling for those that are not right with God, there are people that you're watching and you are not right with God. I want to give you an opportunity to pray where you're at. I can't see you, but God can. And if you want from your heart to turn from your sin, I want you to do something. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to say this out loud where you're at after me. I want you to say, God in heaven, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sin. I admit I am a sinner. I've broken your commands. And I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Give me the power to live for you from this day on. I choose to surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for you. God, I need you to help these people, Lord God, are watching online. Do a miracle of salvation. Touch them where they're at. Cause salvation to be made real to them in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for it.